This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The floodgates are wide open, and as players earn millions of dollars off their name, image, and likeness, a new arms race is underway as boosters and business people create new avenues to financially support college football programs. And we're not just talking about NFTs, t-shirts, and autographs. Welcome to the world of NIL collectives, crowdfunding ventures that, for a monthly fee, provide fans access to their favorite players through interactive Q&As, group hangouts at restaurants and entertainment venues, and exclusive online communities. Hello. It's Wednesday, March 9th, and I'm Brandon Marcello. You're listening to the College Football Daily. NIL has been around less than a year, but the industry is already expanding into a billion-dollar industry, and with it come new ideas to help support schools, particularly those looking to snag big-time recruits. For the first time, fans can have a direct impact on players and potentially steer others to call their favorite university their new home just by simply paying a monthly subscription to an NIL collective. For Florida... It's the Gator Collective. At Texas, it's the Clarkfield Collective. Much like super PACs and politics, money's raised by these fans is pulled together to help their favorite schools. But those schools, much like political candidates, are not directly involved in facilitating those deals with players. Complicated? Not really. Think of it as Patreon, but for college football. It's a fascinating new development that is spreading like wildfire across college athletics, with more than one dozen collectives already in existence and many more on the way. For a better understanding of what it all means and what the NIL landscape will look like over the next five years, we turn to a leader in this space, Blake Lawrence, the co-founder of Opendorse, a marketing platform that helps maximize the value of athletes' endorsements. Blake, it, it it's gone by really fast, but it, it does seem like we've seen a lot happen in the evolution of NIL since it uh, really popped up on us here before the 2021 football season. And I remember the early days we were seeing, you know, local restaurants jumping on board, you know, sponsoring a player or a group of players. And now we see NIL collectives. We're seeing bigger companies with bigger deals popping up. What has really stuck out to you here in this first, I guess, year of NIL? Yeah. For those that are trying to figure out and navigate who's paying these kids, right? Where, where is NIL compensation coming from? It's really four main sources, right? And I'll, I'll go in order for you. There's fans. Fans are paying student athletes that are hosting camps. They're selling merchandise. You know, that's the things that you'd expect. You'll see more and more fan involvement once the fans figure out what they can do. And also athletes make it easier to pay them for things, right? Then you move into the brands. And this would be kind of these, not the official sponsors of athletics, but this is a you know, the national brands like Gatorade or uh, Degree, you know, Red Bull, Dr. Pepper, like some of those types of brands that are just looking for athletes that happen to be very influential. They're creators, they're TikTok stars, that sort of thing. So you'll see those dollars. And then as you get to the local markets, you'll start to see sponsors, right? So sponsors are the ones that are already paying to 
have the official uh, you know, sponsorship rights to the universities, and they're just adding student athletes to their repertoire. They're looking for athletes that are viable in the community. So you're more likely to see a sponsor work with a fifth-year senior than a first-year transfer, right? Because th- that first-year transfer doesn't have much clout in that community. And then the final segment, which is the most interesting and, and the part that most people didn't see coming at the scale it, it, it is, but there's a tremendous amount of dollars flowing to student athletes right now from donors, right? These are these collectives, these groups that have found out the the rules that govern name, image, and likeness activities in their state or at their favorite school and are navigating those rules in a way where they can handsomely reward student athletes who happen to play the right sport at the right school, providing bona fide NIL activities like appearances and autograph signings and some are even in the NFT space. But uh, yeah, that's that donor segment is where most of your listeners will probably be quite intrigued in the impact in this market. Yeah, we'll jump into that here in a minute. But I, I wanted to ask, you know, without naming names or anything like that, because it just interests me and we're all human, we always wonder, what what is the biggest NIL deal you've heard floating out there just from a monetary value so far in these early days? Yeah, there are some that are uh, close to a couple million dollars for one you know, one transaction. It, it, one transaction is in like there are many activities that are required of that individual to receive you know millions of dollars. But it, it is one entity and one athlete, and then you know yeah, you're talking about seven figures plus. You wonder whether you know some of these NIL collectors. We'll get into this are, are sustainable because of just how much money they're looking to target every year as far as raising. You know, some of them saying ten to fifteen million dollars a year or more. Do you you wonder if that's sustainable? But all right, so let's get into the. These, these NIL collectors we've been seeing pop up and popping up uh, uh, with much, much more force and frequency here these last month or two. Uh, I've been talking to people who have been starting these up. There's another one starting up in Florida here soon, some in Georgia, Virginia, elsewhere. You see these collectors popping up and some of them have, have taken different approaches. Some are doing kind of a fan experience type of situation where it's almost like a, you know, the website like 24-7 Sports where you pay nine bucks a month to get recruiting intel. Whereas you go to these websites and you put in 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks or 200 bucks a month and you get to have Q&A sessions with these players. You get to be on Discord with them. You get to maybe go to top golf and and play golf with them and hit, hit some balls around for a couple hours a different approach uh, but then there's also some that that are doing things more on the business side as you mentioned with some type of sponsorships what, what, what do you make of these collectives we're seeing pop up so far in this kind of a lot of people are, are terming it as an arms race yeah uh, among all these schools even though the schools aren't directly involved right so there's there's you talk about the first comment you said Brent is is sustainability right and we're where are the dollars and sources coming from. And there is a wide range of the types of individuals that are contributing into these collectives and the amount in which they're contributing. The What the listeners need to know, what the sports fan needs to know is that the athletes themselves are doing bona fide NIL activities. They're signing autographs, they're doing appearances, they're joining podcasts, like they're, again, selling merchandise, and they're working with these collectives to do so, and they're getting paid to do it. Now, when you talk about the the wide range of supporters, the dollars and donors going into these collectives, yeah, you see the the sustainability of the long tail, which would be there's 180 million college sports fans in the U.S. Right, and each one of them is is either paying to watch sports on television, they're buying merchandise, they're going to events and paying for you know tickets, they're supporting this industry, and those 182 million, if they cumulatively just contributed, you know, let's say 100 dollars each, you're talking about billions of 
billions of dollars that just the fans themselves could support these athletes. That will take a lot of time for that market to mature, right? And the other end of the spectrum are the donors that are giving, uh, you know, two, two and a half, you know, $10 million a year to athletic departments that are now realizing that if they can pool their dollars and support the student athletes directly, they're able to directly impact the student athlete experience in a completely different way. So that side of this spectrum is where there's a lot of movement and a lot of dollars and cents is that these well-informed and excited donors are, are pulling millions of dollars into these collectives, which are then you know, deploying those dollars into student athletes at certain schools and on um, you know certain teams. Do you think we're going to get to a point where we start seeing these athletic departments be concerned with not necessarily the legality of it? That's a whole different conversation. But you know, everything's above board right now. But when you see, like you say, a big donor saying, you know, I usually give you guys two million dollars a year, the athletic department to their fund, but I'm going to knock that down to half a million because I'm giving a million and a half to this collective, and I know I can yeah. directly give this money in some ways to these players and make sure I know exactly what my money's being used for. Yes, yeah, certainly, because that, that's the simple concept to think about is these donors, you, did you know there's $3 billion a year donated to intercollegiate athletic departments? $3 billion, which is about 15% of all revenue for the entire college athletic space comes from donors. That is three times the amount that sponsors like you know contribute to this market. So donors are a significant source of funding. And the thought is, the simple logic is, if I give money to the school, they'll make better facilities, which will attract better recruits, which means my team wins, right? And that also is now the concept is, well, what if I just give the, the dollars straight to the recruits, right, through these NIL activities? And I believe that that is short-sighted if donors are, are doing this or that, because there will be a day in this arms race where at certain schools, they are contributing a hefty amount to have the best facilities and they're contributing a hefty amount to have the highest paid you know, athletes on campus. And if you're doing one or the other, you're going to fall behind. And so you have to do both. So I do see a world where, again, these dollars and cents don't go forever, but they're usually the individuals that are giving millions a year to intercollegiate athletic departments have a few million to spare. And if they do want to see their team have the support they need and stay competitive, then they will be con- continuing to contribute well to the school as well as pooling dollars together for the student athletes through these NIL collectives. What business plan do you see just personally being sustainable, so, you know, five years down the line? Certainly, I can see that there's, again, for those fans that are out there thinking that someday these student athletes will be compensated by their schools or they'll have a payroll, that, that type of concept, you know, there's probably a day well before that happens where these collectives are are providing student athletes a consistent flow of compensation in exchange for bona fide NIL activities that looks a lot like payroll, like where every two weeks an athlete is performing an activity and getting paid, performing activity and getting paid. And the reason I see that model becoming more the reality is that the, here's the lazy way to do this, Brandon. The lazy way is to uh, sign an individual athlete, again, this can be college or pro, whatever, to a four-year deal, right? And they sign it once, they get paid up front, and then the rest of it's done. Like that's the easy way. But in the era of the transfer portal, there's potential where you are are, you know, compensating somebody for a long-term relationship that they may not be playing at your favorite school and playing on your favorite team six months from now. So it is more likely that these you know, student athletes and donor collectives will become more formalized and structured so that there's consistent contribution to the student athletes, but it's not lump sum up front. And again, not many people listening to this get their paycheck for the entire year in January. You usually get it every two weeks. And I think that's what you'll see evolve in this NIL collective space. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Do you think that, you know, we all talk about federal legislation and, and opinions vary on when that, that might happen. I, I was talking to someone earlier that they're thinking that, that no way it happens before the next presidential election because just because of the politics involved in it. Right. Well, where do you think we are in two years? Is there going to be more uh, federal guidance on this or is the NCAA going to step up? What, what do you think? Bert, I had a chat with somebody from Capitol Hill yesterday and it was really just an update. You know, we've spent a lot of time at Open Doors. You know, we're very entrenched in this industry. Like we are the, the infrastructure for 60,000 plus student athletes, like how they manage all these dollars and cents and payments and disclosures and tax forms and whatnot. So we're deep in it. So of course, the folks in Capitol Hill will keep us uh, updated on what they're doing and we do the same. But we were informed yesterday, there's, there's likely to be no movement on the federal level on this based on what they're dealing with in, in Capitol Hill right now, as well as the fact that eight months in, there's not too much crazy red flags about what's happening in the market. Like the free market is rewarding athletes. And as long as there's following the rules and regulations set forth by the state laws, then all good. The actual changes that need to happen to make this market happen uh, and evolve faster is that these state laws, like in Alabama, they should probably be repealed, right? There's no moment that student athletes need to be granted the rights to monetize their NIL. Everyone in the world, every U.S. citizen has the rights to monetize their name, image, and likeness. Athletes don't need a specific right to do so. So these state laws are actually very restrictive, right? They're providing these these guardrails, which create a disadvantage. So the fastest way for a standard, you know, a to this market is to have each of these state laws, which there's 20 plus, 30 plus out there, to eventually be repealed, right? Or to have a uniform state law or federal law. But again, those things would be well down the road before it happens. With Open Doors, has the has the growth and what you guys handle, has it been just exponential, it seems like, every month? Or what, what's the growth been like and has it been even crazy at times? It has been crazy at times, yes. So, Brandon, if we you know go back a year, Open Doors, we had uh, about 30 employees. We're uh, at 97 right now. So we've, we've tripled the size of our team to keep up with the pace of the NIL market and what student athletes need from a technology partner, what the market needs from a trusted marketplace. And you know, this is a company we started a decade ago. 
to help one athlete. And now to see that there's 75,000 plus, you know, getting close to 100,000 athletes that use this every day, it just requires a lot of resources, right? And this is um, foundational for the future. But yeah, as a, as a leader of a company, you, you dream of a moment like this where you have an opportunity to help more people more often and have the resources to do so. And we're not slowing down. The market's certainly not. I mean, there's almost every day there's a, uh, we break the record for transaction volume from supporters to, to student athletes through our marketplace. This is going to be a, a, a larger market than most, most people think. And we got the data kind of back that up. How many questions now, especially as we record this in March, are you guys getting nowadays from, from players asking about tax information? <laughs> if you want to say what's the headache, I mean, that we are explaining to student athletes like what taxes are. I mean, this is for tens of thousands of athletes, Brandon, their very first dollar they've ever received is through Open Doors. Like they've never made money like any other way. They've been an athlete. They were a student athlete the whole life. They go to school and now like I just got paid. Now what? And so we're explaining to them, we're sending out 1099s. Of course, they already got all those in January. And some of them have, they've spent the money. Here's something that sports fans know, and you can imagine this. Like a lot of these kids are getting cars. They're getting cars, right? They're not getting money to go buy cars. They're getting cars. And that car dealership is sending them a 1099 for in-kind compensation for a $20,000 a year lease, right? And they have to go pay, depending on what state they're in, they got to come up with $7,000 to pay in taxes. They don't have $7,000 in cash. So there's some interesting nuances to this whole element where if you want to know who might end up regulating this market, it's probably going to be the, the IRS first, <laughs> you know? So yeah. It's what, what's, what's maybe the biggest piece of misinformation or narrative you think that's been out there about NIL? And for that matter, as I've, I've been focusing on these NIL collectives that have been popping up, because you always hear rumors. I know a lot of fans are going after Texas a Well, the reason why they got the number one class, because they're paying $30 million, which is mm-hmm. a completely fabricated number. Yes, no one is. knows that. And Correct. Jimbo Fisher's even said that. But what's the just craziest thing you've heard out there? Well, I would say that if you put the student athlete in the middle, okay, and most listeners and most college sports fans are probably leaning towards a world like, yeah, these kids probably deserve to get paid, right? Like they deserve to make money somehow, right? And so much of the national narrative is like the school should pay the kids. I think that that is a, a challenging path for this industry, because in the first eight months of allowing the free market to decide like how much these kids are worth, their kids are making millions of dollars. And it's not coming like this. The schools don't have to pay them. It doesn't change the amateur status that allows these kids to get a free education. Right. And it does allow the market to compete with one another. Like this will drive up compensation if it is uncapped, if it is unregulated, if it is a third party compensation type of play. And so I think the narrative around collectives being bad or breaking the rules, I think secretly, this is the best thing possible for the NCAA because the student athletes are going to be compensated. They're going to have to do things that like teach them the fundamentals of business, right? That you must provide value in exchange for value. And so the NIL collectives will be formalized. It will be structured five years from now. It's just going to be known the pool of money at every single division one power five football program and basketball program and women's basketball and baseball. Like these revenue sports are going to have collective dollars and it is going to be known just like you know the seating capacity at tennessee michigan nebraska clemson you know it you will know the dollars and the capacity inside these collectives that are funding student athletes
athletes on campus. I, I want to ask this just maybe more so for my, myself because I'm interested, but uh, yeah. uh, I'm sure a lot of everybody is really. NCAA football is coming back down the pike and it looks like it m- might happen in a, a little under over a year. How, do, how does that all get figured out just from the player's standpoint of one, how much they're going to pay the players, but two, how do you get everybody on the same page? Does there need to be a players association for that or how do you think that'll work? No, there's the thing. It's a, a group licensing assignment is really what is required to make a game like that happen. It exists in college, or it exists in pro sports. So we're partners with the NFLPA. And when you join the NFL Players Association, you, you sign what's called a group licensing assignment. You give the name, image, and likeness rights to the NFL Players, Inc., who then will sell it collectively to EA Sports. Then the NFL Players end up in Madden, right? So what needs to happen for the NCAA college football game to come back or the college football game from EA Sports is that all of the you know Division One, Power 5, Group 5, FCS, like whoever's going to be in the game, they have to just sign the same exact form that gives a entity. And right now that entity is one team partners and they just give them the rights to then group all of them and sell it to EA Sports. And then EA Sports goes and sells the video game. The royalties get sent back to one team. One team takes a management fee and then they have to distribute uh, compensation and royalties evenly across 15,000 Division One college football players. And that the logistics of that is actually the part that like a technology company like Open Doors is built to solve, right? There's, can you imagine trying to track down and hand out checks to 15,000 kids? No way. First question that comes to my mind though, then is like, so really what do the players get if they're going to split 15,000 ways? That's a, there's only so much pie to spread around. Yeah. So let's say that the college football game sells a billion dollars. Okay. Of course, EA Sports is going to have to pay royalties on their, uh, their sales. So let's say that the athletes have negotiated let's say that they get a 10% royalty. Okay. So there's a hundred million dollars. Now uh, let's say that there's a fee that the one team partners has to take for managing this entire relationship. So let's say that that fee is $10 million. So 10%. So now there's $90 million split 15,000 ways. So you're getting, I see a world where an athlete might make $6,000, you know, in royalty distribution from a being in a video game that sold a billion dollars worth of, you know, uh, revenue. The thing is in, in this math, these numbers, these aren't wrong numbers. It's just like looking at Madden and the payouts to NFL players. There are only, what, 2,000 NFL players, right? Uh, 1,500, if you will. Yeah. And so it's just a delta of 10x, right? So the if you look at what an NFL player gets in royalties from being in the Madden video game, and you just divide that by 10, you're probably going to see the actual amount these athletes will make through royalties from the video game in 2023-24. Who do you think will step up to help facilitate some of this? Do you think, are you guys in the running? Is there anything you can tell me? From the payment processing yeah. and management side? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, we are partners with NFLPA, MLBPA, NHLPA, PGA Tour, LPGA, Team USA. Like when it comes to these things I'm talking about, of helping athletes manage and helping these unions, associations, or anyone that's managing group licensing rights actually distribute dollars at scale, like Open Doors is part of that conversation. So we are working very closely with one team. We do a lot of work with EA Sports already. So you can imagine that there will be a day when, if you'd like to be in the video game, you'd like to get paid to be in the video game, then you just download the Open Doors app and click a few buttons and payments on its way in a, and uh, you know every year. My thanks to Blake Lawrence for joining us on the College Football Daily to discuss the fascinating world of NIL and how fans are now having a direct impact on players' lives. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Blake underscore Lawrence. You can also follow me at Marcello. For our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcello. Thanks for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you again Friday.